This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Teresa Douglas on the line. Teresa, how are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. Great to have you here. We booked this interview a while ago, and now at the time of this recording, we are deep in the middle of the COVID-19 crisis across the globe. And you wrote a book and you work in the space of working remotely. So I cannot think of a better person on the planet to talk to right now than you about uh, working remotely. So uh, how have you been and what are some of the things that you're hearing when you're talking with clients and colleagues and people that are seeking your guidance about this new frontier for many people of, of working remotely? Well, it's been busy. As, as you imagine, there are a lot of people now who are going remotely for the first time. And there's, there's a big motivation to make it work. But there are people that are having some issues with technology or figuring out what's the best way to, to work. If you've been in an office and you're used to looking over and seeing if your colleague is busy before you talk to them, or you're a manager and you're used to looking at your employees busy at their desks to make sure that they're working. It's, it's a seismic shift in how we do business. And there's so much to break out from that comment. And I think it boils down to the, the level of trust. And for somebody that's had the fortune to be able to work remotely for a long time, uh, both as an employee, as well as a leader of an organization, it comes down to trust. And I know many managers are afraid that their workers won't do the job unless they are constantly watching over them. And my argument and rebuttal to that is if you don't trust your employees to do their job, why did you hire them? Exactly. And if you don't trust your employees to do their job without you micromanaging them all the time, well, then you, you've got bigger problems than keeping on top of them because we've all seen it. The stats are there with teams and organizations having people completely burned out is because their managers are constantly micromanaging. And unfortunately, the managers aren't doing the job that they should be doing and you're not allowing your people to do the job that they should be doing. So it's actually limiting the quality and quantity of work that gets produced. And it's completely ineffective because let's face it, that worker on a computer could be on Facebook. What you really need is somebody who wants to do their job and they want to do it if they like and trust their manager. If their manager makes them feel like they are a trusted part of the organization and that they have the tools and the goodwill to do their job. That's what motivates people to work. It isn't, is the boss looking at me? I had an opportunity, and this is, well, it's alarming to say this, um, 18 years ago, um, where I worked for a startup uh, internet market research firm at the time. Now, you know, the global organization. But it was the first day of my job, and my boss, Rick Elert, hi, Rick, if you're listening, um, came up to my cubicle towards the end of my first day. He checked in, see how I was doing. I had everything that I needed, all the codes and, you know, where the best restaurant places were in town, all that good stuff. 
And he said, look, I don't care when you get here. I don't care when you go home. As long as you get your job done, everything's good. And that set the tone for you know, amazing journey of my career, quite frankly, because it launched me into doing other things. I learned so much and did a lot of great work and did a ton of travel for that organization. And actually, he even gave me the opportunity towards the last six months of my tenure there uh, to work remotely. And I was in a different state. It wasn't a case of working from home. I was working in a different state. Now, my coworkers were unaware of it, at least I know, because he didn't want to create that opportunity for everybody. But it was kind of a, a trial run, I think, for him and for the organization. So, okay, can, can you do this job, which was all computer-based anyway, in a different state? Mm-hmm. And I did. And, and I finally found a, a role that was closer to where I was living at the time and ended up going into that organization for several years. But for me, it was... I had the trust of my manager to be able to do my job and go to him whenever I needed something. And he let me do my job. That's the whole purpose of hiring somebody is for them to perform a task or a series of tasks, let them do it and get out of their way. Exactly. And it's, it's exactly how things should be now, whether or not you're going to work remotely forever, or if you're working remotely just through the pandemic, because time and seat is not as relevant as the work you are producing. If someone is producing good work, if they're turning it in at a reasonable timeline, if they're communicating with you along the way, that person is working. It doesn't matter if you see them sitting at their desk at 10.59 on a Wednesday. They are doing the work that you need them to do. Yeah, and, if, and that's the thing in defining what that work is. And I see this a lot too, where both the management and employees, you really don't have a crystal clear vision of what they actually need their people to do. It's, it's as if they're on autopilot. And I think we're starting to see this, and I'm sure you're hearing about it too, with many organizations that are now in this working remotely situation that they're fumbling around and it's acting as if they're on day one of a new job, even though it's the same circumstances. Most organizations are using computers now to do things and contact and phone calls and everything else, but they're just completely lost. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on how you guide organizations and talk to them about making the subtle transition, because I I think of it as being subtle, but for many people, they probably look at it like they're learning a foreign language for the first time. Um, How to transition from being in this brick and mortar type of cubicle office slash thing to working remotely and still getting the the work done that needs to be done. One of the things that I, I talk to people a lot about is getting rid of the eyeball approach. So you walk into a physical office, you look around to see who's there, You might look at your email and decide what work needs to be done and get everybody together in a big room and you hash it out what it is you want people to do, which is not efficient anyway, but it's easy because you're, you're in the same space as people. Now you have to change that approach to something that's a little bit more systematic and thoughtful. So if you're a manager, you get to your computer in your home office, you look through the things that have to be done. You talk to see which people are in and when they're going to be in. Just find out because some of us have to change our schedules because we're taking care of dependents or older family members or even just sharing 
bandwidth on, on the home internet and setting out systematically what is it that needs to get done for the day. And if you plot that out, you can do it not in the same room as somebody else. You can do that over email, over instant message and work that out. You don't need to get everybody together to figure this out. So many of us have been in meetings where we say, couldn't that have been an email? Well, now is the chance. Now is your chance to have that email instead of trying to get everybody together to decide what to do. It, there's so many opportunities and my hope is that organizations, once this COVID-19 situation is behind us, whenever that will take place, that they take this as an opportunity to look at, okay, what did we accomplish under these circumstances and what can we adapt our businesses and our divisions to be able to do in a more efficient way? And I, I, one of the things I, I forgot who I was talking to about this, but after this is said and done, especially if organizations are looking at remote work as a viable option, one industry that may take a pretty significant hit is the commercial real estate business mm -hmm. because you don't need large office spaces if you have people working remotely uh, in an area where i based out of in toronto commercial office space is very hard to find most of the construction in the downtown core is condo buildings so there's less and less smaller office space so good luck finding anything under 4,000 square feet. It's either you know, massive or nothing. And I think with, with this remote working situation and people realizing, wait a minute, we can still keep tabs on them. And how you keep tabs on them is what do they produce? You know, mm -hmm. Give them something that they can produce. Yes, there's certain things that you may need to have somebody physically there to do. But as we've moved away from the industrial age to more of a electronic age and you know social online stuff we find that you don't necessarily need to have everybody together and i'm with you we we've we've all got those blue ribbons saying this is a meeting that could have been an email <laughs> uh, and most of most of those meetings are and a lot of times that boils down to poor agendas or no agenda at all for a meeting yeah, it's like and figuring out okay we've got 45 minutes so let's get through this and get to it and get done and i you know whenever i run a meeting you know so here's the agenda here's the timeline i have an idea okay if this one may run a little longer okay put some buffer time here and there but keep people on task because otherwise you know, a 20 minute meeting can go into a hour and a half meeting and at the end of it you go okay well what was the outcome of that meeting supposed to be and did we get anywhere near it? Uh, no. So a lot of times we say, well, that's 90 minutes. We'll never get back. And we just you know, shake our head and go, well, okay, that's business as usual. So uh, a good colleague of mine likes to f use the phrase tragedy creates opportunity. And yes, this COVID-19 situation is, is tragic. We've seen tons and tons of people lose their lives and we're fearful that that's going to continue for a while now but it does create an opportunity for businesses and employees to figure out new ways to work in a more efficient way, which is just going to make things better for all of us from a consumer standpoint to an employee standpoint. I would argue also that it gives us the opportunity to have a more humane workplace because in the old style of doing things, you're there. It doesn't matter if somebody's sick at home 
or somebody has a doctor's appointment, or you would rather take a moment to pick up food from a, a local farmer because you're, you're in this office and you must stay there from nine to five or whatever it is. But when we're in this, this phase of remote work and business leaders see that people are still getting their work done, even though they have to take care of other responsibilities, it's my hope that when people do go back to a physical office, because I think some people will, that they leave with the lesson that if one of their star performers needs to take Wednesday mornings off to attend to something, it's not the end of the world, that that star performer can still produce, that they're still doing something that's of benefit to the company, and we don't have to completely cut him or her off from whatever their personal responsibilities are. You'd mentioned something a little while ago about caregivers and our population, of course, is, is aging. Um, you know, at the time of this recording, you know, my dad passed away a little over three weeks ago and now it's just my mom and um, she's with my brother right now. And we're navigating around what that's going to look like because she is at a, an age and and health condition that it's probably not in the best interest of her to live on her own. So we're navigating around that in time, but toss in COVID-19 and world as we know it is kind of hit the pause button, but my brother thankfully, you know, has the opportunity to take some time away and get paid to uh, ease mom into, you know, a new transition of, of life. And, there are many, many, many people that are going to be in that boat and organizations that can be flexible and allow their employees to continue living, uh, but also take care of things that need to be taken care of. Those are the employers that are going to be able to attract and retain top talent. The organizations that have managers that don't trust their employees you're going to continue to have constant turnover and people leaving your organization because they don't want to work for you because you're inflexible. And it, my hope with all of this too is to level the playing field because we know for the longest time the employer has held pretty much all of the control in the employee. And I don't want to use the term slavery, but for many organizations, their, their employees I think slavery, and not to make light of that tragic situation either, but I think there are situations where sometimes slaves were treated better than some of these employees are being treated. And it's it's a horrible, horrible thing that I've seen. And I hope it stops. And I hope this new way of doing work will continue and in, in, in grow and expand because I think it, it's beneficial for everybody involved, especially as life gets more and more complex with with caregiver options and just life as a whole. I think, too, just adding on to that point, those that are working remotely and they find that maybe this does work better for their personal circumstances, those folks now have a taste of what that's like. And as we pass this and get rid of, of COVID, whenever that, that happens, they may be looking to continue working remotely. So they'll like, have that time. They're looking at their employers now. And, and this is a, a point for employers, as you say, to keep their people, because now these other people have options and they have real world experience working remotely, where so many people didn't before this time. Yeah, because it's opening up some opportunities for a lot of people to get a little bit more efficient. And, and one of the things I want to dive into next is 
you know, boundaries about working remotely. And I know this is something that I was guilty of when I first started working remotely is losing track of time and the amount of hours you put into work. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a decade ago when I was working remotely, you know, I was putting in 10, 12, 14 hour days working on work. Now, if it's I was so in, easy. yeah, when I was in the office, if I would have done that, you know, I would have been dragging my butt home and I would have been completely exhausted. But at home, you're like, well, you're at home and, and there's, there's a mentality that's like, it's not too bad, but it, it sneaks up on you and you realize, why am I so tired and I can't sleep? Well, you, you just put in a 14-hour day and you're, you're too exhausted to sleep. So you know, what are some techniques that you tell people to do to help them kind of prevent putting in too many hours at the home office? I advocate very strongly for routines because I have also been the victim of that where I'll start work early to get things done, blow through lunch because I'm, I'm on a roll. And next thing you know, you've worked all day and not eaten much. So for me and for others that I've talked to, having those cues that you normally get at an office are things you have to build in. So I'm a big proponent of turning on music at the beginning of my day with my, my tea at hand and saying, I am going to work. And then at lunch, I block that time off in my schedule so that my computer will start giving me alerts when it's time to get up and move. And I leave my desk. So I get up and I leave that computer because otherwise I'll just be answering email. And then at the end of the day, I try to set up something that forces me again to get out of my seat on time. Before COVID, that was making plans with friends in the physical world. In, in this world, I'm still doing that, but with Zoom, for example. I have a happy hour that I go to on Fridays. I have a writer's group a couple of Wednesdays in a month. So things that force me to leave my work behind and do things that recharge. And we all need it. Whatever those things are for you, plan them and give some accountability so that you have to do those activities instead of work. It's all about harmony of life. You know, I hear work-life balance and I go, you can't balance life. It has ebbs and flows, but you can harmonize it. And when you work remotely, you have a dedicated space where you work. And these are tips for me. And I'm sure that you may have some additional suggestions. But what I find is when I'm working, I have a dedicated space. I use the computer that I normally use for work. Um, I make sure that I do work type things on it and make sure that I have those built-in breaks, take lunch, get up and stretch and move around. Um, and, and I also avoid the, and I see this all the time where people say, I love working and they're, you know, it's a picture of them uh, with their laptop on the beach or they're sitting at a, you know, a pricey resort somewhere and they're sitting on a patio and they're working. It's like, I love the view from my quote unquote office. Personally speaking, I have a huge problem with that. And the reason why is you are joining work with what should be leisure. Yes, it's great that you can look out and you see the Pacific Ocean or you are on the French Riviera, wherever the case may be, but you're working instead of being there and enjoying that experience of looking out at the beach, looking out at the different things. Yeah, you should be at work when you're working and resting when you're resting. It's, it's so important. I, I also have an issue with the folks that, that are working at the beach. 
because you need that separation. And I also have a distinct office where I do work. Some people don't, they're, they're living in small apartments in, in the middle of cities. But even in those cases, getting your computer, turning it off and putting it away. Back, back when I lived in LA and I didn't have a lot of room, I would take my computer, I would clo close it, and then I would stick it in my bookshelf. And could I have picked that computer up again and worked? Sure. But I created just enough friction so that it was easier not to than it was to go back to work. And the folks that are, are balancing vacations, I, I just, first of all, I don't see how they're getting a strong enough internet signal in order to do that. But if you're, if you're erasing the boundaries that you have between your rest and your work, then, then there's no time to recharge from your day. Yeah, one of the things I do is at least one weekend a month. Now, some people that follow me on social media may say, you don't do that, but I use a lot of auto scheduling and posting things. So it may not quote unquote be me posting it, uh, but I, I do my best to take at least one weekend off uh, from social media. And of course, in my branding, you know, I'm a content creator, so I'm pushing things out, but I schedule a lot of things. And and when I go on vacation, I go on vacation. Yes, do I have access to my emails and things like that? Yes. Do I access them? No, because I, I'm on vacation. You know, I, I, my dad worked for an auto company for you know most of his career, and, and most of the time on the assembly line. And you know, towards the end of his career, he worked in the engine plant. So he drove a forklift and it would deliver the engines to the assembly line. So the rest of his coworkers could put the engines in the car and continue building the car until it was completed. On vacations and after work, I never recall seeing a forklift truck in our driveway with an engine block on it. He left his work at work. So if your work is at home, then come up with whatever mind tricks or habits or routines to put an end to your work day. Because if you don't, then you're going to be burned out and stressed out from work. You're also giving your bosses and your colleagues permission to contact you at all hours of the day. And that you're conditioning them to do that. And as a leader, I set a very hard boundary on not contacting the people that work for me after five o'clock or on weekends ever unless it was an emergency and it better be a true emergency type of situation otherwise i didn't do it would i get emails from people after hours sure did i respond to them no um, unless it was a dire dire emergency then i'm going to pick up the phone call and call but for the most part there wasn't any of those quote unquote true emergencies. So it's, it's important for you to establish boundaries on where you work, how you work, when you work and, and don't mix the two because if you don't, then you're conditioning yourself to not know the difference between work and in leisure. And that can lead to a very slippery slope in life. And it, it's an interesting thing you bring up because remote work, a lot of the success of that is, is mental. So we hear a lot about the tips of what kind of internet you need and what sort of supplies you have to have. But it's that it's that internal self-discipline and talking yourself out of out of overwork 
and trying to respond to those emails, that's the stuff that sets you up for the long haul for success. Yeah, that's crucial. So if there was one key tip that you would give to people that have found themselves in a remote working situation, and it looks like they're going to be in that for a bit, uh, and you've shared a ton of them today, but if there was one other tip that you would give people that might be struggling with uh, remote work, what would that be? Over-communicate. And that's going to help so much with your boundaries because I put my work hours in my email signature. I put them everywhere that a colleague might want to reach out to me so that they understand that if they're trying to reach out to me after my workday, I'm just, I'm not there. I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to, to answer that email, which also incidentally gives them permission to unplug if they know that you are. So over-communicate that, over-communicate with your colleagues about how you are getting your work done without obligating them, of course, to work through, through their rest breaks. It's, they can't see you, you can't see them, but if you are crystal clear in your communication about what you're going to deliver and when, then everything in the remote workforce works so much better. That's incredible advice. And I highly recommend everybody do that. So everyone knows, it's just like going to a store or a restaurant, most places have their hours posted on the door. Having it posted in your email, again, gives people the information that this is when you're available and when you're not, and also gives them permission to do the same. So that's awesome. So Teresa, I loved our conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and this awesome work you're doing? They can reach out to me at TeresaMDouglas.com. I'll definitely have that in the show notes. And I know we really didn't highlight too much uh, your new book, uh, but I'll have that information in the show notes as well, because it gives a ton of advice on how to work remotely. So make sure that that's in there. And I highly encourage everybody go pick up a copy of that, both employers and employees, because if you can re work remotely really well, uh, you'll find that the work you do actually improves and you do it at a better pace than you've ever done before. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.